Happy Sabbath Church. Today's uh, scripture reading will be from the book of Exodus chapter 28, verses 29 and 30. And it says, So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over Aaron's heart when he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. That was better. Ah, uh, you have teeth, you have lips, you have noses. <laughs> It's been a while indeed. I'm so happy to be with you here this morning. It is always a pleasure, a rare one because of my schedule to join you in first service, but I think of you often. Amen? Amen. Let's pray and then we'll share together. Father, your word is alive. Your word speaks to us today. And we just want to dive into your word. Send the presence of the Holy Spirit to encourage us and to shine a new thing for us to have a better grasp of who you are and how you are at work in our lives. We let go of everything that would distract us so that we can be fully present here with one another and with you. We love you and we want to receive your love. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I encourage you to open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. We're going to be moving through quite a few passages today, so it's going to be sermon slash Bible study. Is that all right? Amen. All right. Even if it's not all right, I'm up here now, so <laughs> open up your Bibles. We're going to start in Exodus 19. Now, I took for granted that nobody, not nobody, but not a ton of people who come to second service, come to first service, but lo and behold, there's a whole, a whole row of early risers. Hi, guys. But I'm not so... Uh, unaware that you might have forgotten most of this, so we're going to do a little review. I want to take a good amount of time to set the stage for the passages that we're going to discover together, and we're based now at the at the base of Mount Sinai. The presence of God is moving around the Israelite nation and having an ongoing conversation. They've been on the move for a while, but they're going to spend a good portion of time. Many of you know that most of Exodus takes place at the base of Mount Sinai. Because when you take a nation out of a foreign land and teach them new theology and about who you are as their God, you're going to have some conversations. There's going to be a lot to learn because we humans, I don't know, maybe I'll just speak for myself, it takes me a couple passes at something to get it. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to spend a lot of time on this lesson to really anchor it. So God is gracious in the conversations that he has both with Moses and the nation of Israel. So we're going to take off here starting at Exodus chapter 19. But just, um, just dance with me through the scripture, okay? We're going to jump around. I'm not doing anything scandalous. I checked my theology with Pastor Honey before. So everything's on the up and up. But in order to move through the narrative, we're going to do a little jumping around from different chapters. So reading from Exodus chapter 19, in verse 9, God sets the stage for Moses. Moses. 
The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and always put their trust in you. The first thing that happens here is that God very graciously shares his presence with Moses to highlight the fact that he has a relationship with him. So that the people, when they're following Moses, know that they're not just following a man, that they're following a man who was led by God. But God does some extraordinary things very quickly here as we move through the passage. He reminds us that he is, in fact, God. That is not a small thing. The picture that I showed for children's story gives us an idea of how controlled God had to be in order to make himself visible to this nation. He says something in verse 20 that is so delicious, I don't want us to miss it. I'll start at verse 19. Pardon me, verse 18. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. The whole mountain trembled violently, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder. Then Moses spoke, and the voice of God answered him. Imagine that you are at the base of a mountain. Already you've seen some pretty extraordinary things. You've seen the water part. You've been sustained by the provisions that God has done every day. But you have yet to experience this much of the presence of God. And what is a perfectly reasonable reaction to this show of God's power? Fear. Anxiety. A little nerve. Uh, nervousness. Because God is massive, and he is controlling himself so that he can have an interaction with us. And then he said, this happens in verse 20. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain, so Moses went up. Friends, I as a human, to get to the top of the mountain, what do I have to do? You've got to climb to the top of the mountain. Who but God could descend to the top of a mountain? Who but God could lower himself to the heights of something? Why? So that he can have a face-to-face -face interaction with God. Pardon me, with Moses. This is not a standstill experience. This is a metaphor as well for the kind of relationship that God wants with us. He is willing to lower, control himself so that we have some idea, some capacity of how we can interact with him. And at times it is terrifying because it's God and he's massive, but it reminds us that his grace is enough. His grace still amazes me. Even his willingness to talk with us, controlling the power that he is, that should still amaze us even now, so far removed from this story. But it continues. As they have a, an interaction, God has made very clear when he tells Moses to bring people to the base of the mountain, first he says, nobody can touch the base of the mountain. Nobody, or else they're going to die. Because he really wants to highlight the importance, the holiness of his presence. But God is flexible. Can I say that? Let's, let's sit with that idea for a minute. At first, God says, nobody can touch this mountain. Then he says to Moses, 
bring Aaron up on this mountain. And Moses says, but you said don't bring anybody. He says, bring Aaron up on this mountain. Later on in the passage, a couple chapters later, he says, bring Aaron and his boys and 70 leaders of Israel. Bring them up onto the mountain. Already God is changing the boundary of separation. Why? Because he wants to draw closer to us. He wants to have this face-to-face experience with us. Ultimately, in Exodus chapter 4, not only do people get up on the mountain, they sit and have a meal at the feet of God. He shows himself so that they can land and say, this is the covenant. You and I, we are in a relationship together. And even though I'm God, I'm going to set a table before you and we will partake together. A beautiful glimpse of what awaits us in heaven. Constantly, he changes the boundary for the sake of drawing closer, closer, ever closer to us. But a lot is happening a lot is happening. New teachings, new theology. He's, in, he's lighting the way for the nation that didn't really know him before. They cried out to him, and he answered. But now they need some information, right? They need, they need a couple chapters to work from, right? We need some pages of the book, a guide. Throughout this conversation, during the time that Moses is up on Mount Sinai, after the covenant is confirmed, after the meal, these words that we hear several times throughout the Pentateuch. Reading now from Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Say amen if you've got it. All right. The four of us will move along in the scripture then. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. I love this idea. I've talked about this before from this pulpit, but that's like 10 years ago now, so I'll refresh my own memory. God invites them to build a tent so he can be at the center of where they are. Ultimately, all the other tents, all of the other tribes are facing this sanctuary. He's at the very center of how they travel through the wilderness. God abides in a tent with us. He wants to be with us, and it takes him many chapters to describe this most beautiful metaphor that is a living thing for them to see. Layered throughout this passages, you will hear language that you hear in Genesis. This, these rich colors, this aliveness, because that's what it's trying to do in the mind of the reader, in the mind of the hearer. Tie us back to a time and place where we were not separated from God, where we walked with him and talked with him. That is very intentional in the language of the sanctuary. But because God is a most gracious and generous God. He shares the responsibility of leadership, the responsibility of mediator with humanity. We know that Moses was a leader, and based on the children's story, we talked a little bit about Aaron. So we're going to spend some time just discovering and parsing through the language that God uses to describe what was represented in what Aaron's most fabulous of all outfits 
layered with metaphor and representation about what his task was while he was on earth. So we go back, once again, thank you for the scripture reading. We go back. And in all of chapter 29, so now it's just to land ourselves again. The other people have left. Now it is just Moses and God on Mount Sinai. Any guesses to how long he's been up there or will be up there ultimately? 40 days and 40 nights. It's a long time. Long time to be up on a mountain. But I think it's just enough time to really grasp with what God is imparting to him all of this new information that Moses is receiving that he then has to teach the people. So we're looking at Exodus chapter 28, starting at verse 29. Whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision as a continuing memorial before the Lord. Also put the Urim and Thurim, Thumen, help me, somebody. (laughs) Urim? Thunim? Thumen? It's pretty quiet out there, so I'm going to guess that we're all not sure. Amen. Urim and Thumen. That feels right. In the breastplate. So they may be over Aaron's heart whenever he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus, Aaron will always bear the names, bear the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Let that picture land. The names of the nation of Israel are sitting on the heart of Aaron. Spoiler alert, this is not just the task of the spiritual leader, as we're going to spend some time in the New Testament later on, this is something that involves all of us. This idea of Aaron, as he comes and goes wearing this most sacred vestment, he carries the names of the nation of Israel on his heart. Whose name do you carry on your heart? Is it the name of your children, your classmates, your family, your spouse, your long-forgotten friend? Whose name do you carry on your heart as you come and go as a reminder, as something that you are praying over and for constantly? And not only whose name, but what burden, what sadness do you carry over your heart? As we come and go, as Aaron comes and go, it's a visual reminder of why he does what he does of the fact that not only does he carry the nation of Israel on his heart, but that he has been entrusted to do so because God is in partnership with humanity. What a worthy vessel Aaron must have been. How perfectly behaved he must have been. We'll get to that. It doesn't end there, not just carrying the names of the nation on his heart. We move forward um, on verse 36, still in chapter 28, now reading from verse 36. Make a plate of pure gold and engrave it on it as a seal, holy unto the Lord. 
fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. It is to be on the front of the turban. It will be on Aaron's forehead, and he will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts the Israelites consecrate. Whatever their gifts may be, it will be on Aaron's forehead continually, so they will be acceptable to the Lord. Several things are happening here. First, Aaron is set aside so that his ministry, as he's interacting with the sacrifices, they are set apart for the Lord as well. But symbolically, so too is Aaron, sealed on his forehead, holy, set apart for the Lord, a gift given to us later. What an extraordinarily perfect person Aaron must have been to be deserving of such a title. While he is up on the mountain, while Moses and God are having a conversation and God is giving very specific, very clear instructions as to the ministry that Aaron is about to undertake, what is happening at the base of Mount Sinai? In conversation, as God is talking about the gold that will be used for the vestments of Aaron, he is collecting them from the nation of Israel and fashioning it into an idol. The disappointment, the sadness that we read later and God telling Moses, you need to get down there. The disappointment in Aaron as a brother, as a fellow leader, that should be the moment that grace ends, should it not? Because whether or not we believe it, I think on some level we've internalized this idea. The longer I have been at this, the longer time I have been a believer, the higher I go, the thinner the air of grace around me is. The grace that is accessible to somebody who's just walked into the church is very different from the grace that is accessible to somebody who has been at this for decades. That is a lie. Hear me again. Grace is grace is grace, is grace. Moses, amidst his rebellion, is still chosen and set aside to carry the names of Israel on his heart. He is still chosen and set aside to be holy unto the Lord. So regardless of how you feel in the dark night of your soul, the things that you feel cannot be forgiven, that is why human rebellion is so clearly articulated in Scripture. So we know that we are never outside of its access because his grace should still amaze us. While he is in conversation with Moses, Aaron is doing a very different kind of ministry. And this is what is just so sobering. He is still leading the people spiritually. He is still doing the task that has been given him, but in a very different direction. Let's take some time and read this interaction. Starting from verse 32, verse 1, we're going to spend a little time here. So as Moses comes down from the mountain, because he has been delayed how long? 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, the scripture says... Um, 
Let's just read it together. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Moses and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to us. If this is not a chilling moment for us to listen to this, because Moses delayed so long in coming down from the mountain, in this 2022 year that we are on, it feels like there has been a long delay, that we are still waiting a long time, and so we might be inclined to get a little restless, to go in a different direction. I'm rebuking myself here first because it feels like things should be wrapped up by now. In this long delay, Moses heads in a very different direction. Verse two, Aaron answered them, take off immediately. He doesn't delay. We go from the request to his response. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Continuing on. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. If you read different commentaries, there's a variety of things. We don't know what revelry is, but it was probably pretty scandalous. The rebellion in it is not that they thought that the calf was God. The rebellion also stems from the fact that they demanded that God be visible. What had just happened 40 days ago? The presence and power of God was so magnificent, so powerful that they were afraid. But 40 short days later, they demanded under their terms that he be visible at all times. This is a challenging passage to me. It's challenging because I have to reflect on my own hubris, on my own demands of God. What am I asking of him? When all he is doing is extending grace to me. Throughout the conversation, um, Aaron kind of changes the story when Moses comes down and, and he's, he's appalled. So he immediately starts to intercede on behalf of the people. That's Aaron's job. But Moses does it. And Aaron answers, I don't know what happened. I just collected this gold and threw it in the fire and this came out. He immediately steps back from the responsibility that he's taken. Friends, I really lean, personally, I really lean into this idea of like how, how gracious God is. But in order for me to do that, I also have to be willing to face with the idea of how really what a mess humanity can be. Grace, yes, humanity, a mess, but grace always more. But in order for me to know and to receive how powerful this grace can be, I have to be willing for a moment to sit in what I have the capacity to do. 
This is not just a story for one religious leader. This is a story for all of us. And even still, even still, there's this interaction, this very violent interaction that happens between Aaron's family and the people who were in rebellion. And then this is said, verse 29, then Moses said, he's talking to Moses here, verse 29, still in chapter 32, then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and your brothers, and he has blessed you today. Even amidst his rebellion, even amidst his rebellion. So let's hold this story in our hands. Let's hold it in our minds. The capacity for our own humanity, but God being omnipresent, still choosing to give Moses the responsibility to Aaron. Still saying, put this on his heart. Put this on his mind holy unto the Lord, regardless of the mistakes he will make, holy and set apart to the Lord. And that grace extends to us. Reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, just a couple of verses so that we seal this, so we end in the New Testament. How does this affect me? I'm not a high priest. How does this affect me? I'm not at the base of Mount Sinai. It involves us in a very real way. This is a ministry that continues even now. Reading from 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stones, that, pardon me, from the top. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, College Heights Church, you also, like living stones, are be being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The only way that we are acceptable amidst our very real rebellion is through who? Through Jesus. At any time, at any point, regardless of what we do, through Jesus, we become acceptable sacrifices to God. Through Jesus, all things are forgiven. Through Jesus, you can access his abundant, abundant grace. And I end with the verse 9. Because you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his glorious light. So even if you feel like you have had rebellion like that of Aaron, you are still chosen. You are still set apart. You are still covered in grace.